please be seated. I must admit that I spend a lot of time choosing titles for sermons, and sometimes we choose it because we have to get it in early and then later think, gee, I might have come up with some better ones. So other titles I might suggest for today are, Do Saints Have More Fun? Or, And God Laughed? Or, This Is Holy Humor Sunday? But that's getting ahead of myself. As you listen to the scripture, it might be helpful if I give you a little more background so it adds to your understanding. The Israelites had spent 70 years in exile and they had neglected the word of God. They no longer remembered God's teachings. The people were weeping when they heard the word read. It was not the poetic voice of a gifted speaker. It was not because the book contained a rather sad story of lovers kept apart. No, the people wept because they understood how much God loved them. How persistently God pursued them throughout their time away. How long they had been without the word of God to lead them, to define them, to give them purpose, value, meaning to their lives. They realized how much they needed God, how empty, how fragmented their lives had been for so long. Confession and tears of repentance brought words of grace, forgiveness, and hope. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. This day is sacred to the Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What wonderful words for the people to hear. They had been separated from God and now they were brought back together as a community of faith and they felt great joy. The people realized that God had a wonderful message of salvation for them and it is in God's joy that they can find strength to put their lives back together to get all the fragmented pieces And so they worshiped God in joy. The joy of the Lord remains our strength today as well. Because God's love extends generation to generation to generation to us today. And we have the advantage of seeing God's love from the cross. We know that through Jesus, God continues to fulfill those promises that he made to Abraham when he said, I will be your God And all the families on earth will be my people. Such great joy. I love the hymns that we've sung so far today. All of them, upbeat, speaking about God's great love and joy for us. And we rejoice, as the last song says. Rejoice, and again I say, rejoice. When we release control over our lives, we have joy. And what the people of Israel discovered, and I hope what we are still discovering, is that joy is not the absence of sorrow, but it is trusting God to be God. Fortunately, God's joy that fills God's people does not depend on outward circumstances. It doesn't depend on our moods. It doesn't even depend on our feelings. 
No, the love of God, the joy that we feel from the Lord lives in the heart. In the midst of sorrow, it stays with us. Joy is God's gift. Joy is being desperately in love with the God who is desperately in love with us. I think a wonderful life verse for a child being baptized would be Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, I want to be known as that kind of Christian, filled with the love and joy of Jesus Christ. Joy is even on the fruits of the Spirit list. And Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, puts it this way. When we live God's way, God brings gifts into our lives. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. What more could we ask for? Gifts of love, joy, and peace. You know, we can't make ourselves joyful. It can't be commanded. It can't be purchased. It's experienced when we respond to God's claim on our life. Yesterday was a day of great joy. It wasn't something that we could manufacture ourselves. It was God's gift to us when we responded to God's claim upon our lives. Joy. Rejoice. Paul tells us. Again, I say rejoice. And Paul could say that when he was in prison, for he understood that joy was something that he couldn't manufacture, that God had given him because he knew to whom he belonged. You know, we read in Genesis that God created and on the seventh day stood back, surveyed creation, and declared, it is very good. Think about the face of God when God surveyed creation and said it is very good. Do you think God looked like this picture at that time? Hmm. Michelangelo certainly didn't have much joy in his heart. God was delighted. That's not the way God would have looked. I think deep joy might accurately describe the feeling that God had as God surveyed creation. I believe God celebrated because I know that I would have. When we can see God as joyful, we are in many ways like little children. A sweet five-year-old told me, joy is that bubbly feeling inside like when you've had soda pop and then you burp. (laughs) That about describes it, don't you think? What happens as we get older to our ability to be joyful, spontaneous in expressing the delight that we feel, the gift of joy that God has given us? I'll never forget when Daniel, you know that sweet little grandson of mine, who will be six this Tuesday, by the way. I'll never forget when he said, play with me. And so we got down on the floor, and after a while, he looked puzzled, and he said, You don't know really how to do this, do you, my mom? (laughs) Ouch. When did I forget how to play? Play is that passionate, expressive, creative thing that we do when we don't care that anybody's looking or how we might look to others. 
And play is a way to rejoice, and it's God's good gift of life, a gift for right now and for eternity. Isn't it just like the Creator God to make us so that when we play, we experience a joy that's different from any kind of happiness we might experience elsewhere? Now, this idea of play is not new, but in the last few years, many in the corporate world have concluded play brings more energy, it sparks creativity, and it increases productivity. Southwest Airlines, Boeing, Ford, Nordstrom's, Harley-Davidson, all acknowledge that play is more than a frivolous activity, and they actually allow the people to work in some playtime during their work schedule. Good idea, don't you think, Scott? <laughs> oh, you responded so much better than I had hoped. That's great. <laughs> Play is rejoicing. You know, we often confuse sacred with solemn and somber. We often think that to be holy is to be quiet and serious. But the Bible equates holiness with joy. And in our text today, the people responded to the word of God with rejoicing and celebration. They had a holiday, a holy day, just like the holidays we celebrated. Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have a meal, we go out and we invite those that don't have a place to celebrate to join us. You know, the most sacred times in the life of the church are filled with joy. The birth of a child, baptisms, weddings, Christmas and Easter. Even our services of witness to the resurrection at the death of a loved one are filled with the joy of the Lord, who is our strength. What did the people discover as they read the word of God that day? They discovered that joy comes from knowing who we are and whose we are. Have you ever heard a passage of scripture, one that maybe you've heard many times before, and suddenly it grabs your heart and you understand it in a new way? A colleague that I worked with in the hospital setting, another pastor, when I was talking about what it was like for me to grow up knowing that for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die so that we could live again. And she started to cry. And she said, you mean God loves me that much? She heard how God chose her, loved her, and delivered her from sin. She learned what her purpose was, to be a person of God, created by God, loved by God, accountable to God, for her actions. Just like the Hebrews, they were not just any people, they were the people of God. And they were not to live just any way, they were to live in such a way that their lives were pleasing to God and glorified God, just like we did yesterday. It's the same for us today, all these generations later. God's word tells us, and the world that he created everything, and he loves us. He's the one who Jesus taught us to call our Father. 
How great to know that we are not an accident, but the creation of an all-powerful God who made us in his image. This means we have dignity and purpose. No one, no one here is an accident regardless of the circumstances of your birth. And when God created you, he did so with a purpose that your life has a divine meaning and value. We are valuable to God. Doesn't that fill you with joy? And we know, when we know that we are valuable to God and love, we want to shout. We want to sing. We want to raise our hands as the people of Israel did when they heard God's word read and they realized how much they were loved by God and they shouted, Amen and Amen, in agreement to what they had heard. What greater joy is there than an understanding that your life is connected to the eternal? This joy creates a deep desire to love and worship God. And so we come today to worship God, to hear God's word, to celebrate and to rejoice. God loves you. God is for you. God is on your side. God loved you into life and pursued you until you respond. Joy comes from obedience to God. That was the experience we heard from young A and her when she went to Alpha. It's what Tina experienced when she shared that time with young A. When we come back to God's word again and again to be renewed and refreshed, to find God's joy, to receive strength for our journey, then we know what it means to be loved by God. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Now let's admit it. Religion is not usually associated with fun. I can't forget the way John Steinbeck described one of his characters in East of Eden. He brought with him his tiny Irish wife, a tight, hard little woman as humorless as a chicken. She had a dour Presbyterian mind that, <laughs> that beat the brains out of anything fun to do. <laughs> now that doesn't describe any Presbyterian I have ever known, but we do take a lot of flack for, for being the frozen chosen. <laughs> but we know it's not just Presbyterians. I heard about a church who had their services televised and the ushers were actually given instructions that they were to seat down in the front rows the people who had the most joyful countenances so when the TV screen went over their faces it would look like they were filled with joy and I'm looking here, let's see your smiles, those of you that are sitting up front. Ask the average person on the street, and I don't think you'll hear anyone say, Wow, those Christians, they're wild and crazy people. You know, if they'd been here yesterday, they would have said that. Did you know that 150 years ago, laughter was considered satanic? It was a sin to be joyful. Surely we've gotten it wrong. Listen to the scripture again. Rejoice. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is what Jesus looks like. 
It's always amazed me to hear the reaction some people have to the idea that Jesus would laugh. I must admit, the first time I saw that picture, I was taken aback. Oh my gosh, of course Jesus would have laughed. But I must admit, when I showed this painting to a friend, she got angry and she said, that's heresy. Jesus was too holy to act like that. And I hear Jesus' words, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Children love to be with Jesus. Certainly Jesus must have laughed with children. Christians who look like they have been baptized in lemon juice don't get it. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't it amazing that we can accept a crying Jesus, an angry Jesus, Why is it so difficult for us to picture a laughing, joy-filled Jesus? Karl Barth, who is one of the greatest theologians of all time, reminds us, laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. I think that's true. And isn't it just like God to create us in such a way that when we are joyful, when we laugh, we are healthier? Studies have actually been done that show when we laugh, when we have a sense of humor, our blood pressure is lowered, our immune system is strengthened, we need less pain medication. Isn't God good? When I think of Gail Wolves, our certified laugh instructor, and many of you have experienced her laughter classes, she has taught us that God wants to provide a joyful healing, body, mind, and spirit. And she takes that healing with her every week to retirement centers and to Overlake Hospital, where she helps people respond to God's good gift of joy. Did you know that three minutes of good belly laughing is supposed to be worth 20 minutes on a rowing machine? Why would you choose anything else? You know, I love books. I love all kinds of books. And one of my favorite authors is Anne Weems, who writes many books for creative worship services. And she has this wonderful poem that she's put together titled, Balloons Belong in Church. And that's why I brought my balloon with me today. With thanks to Anne Weems and God's grace in my life, I want to share with you some of the things that are the joy of the Lord that give me strength, the things that I think delight me, delight God, because I'm made in the image of God. She wrote Balloons Belong in Church as a response to a little four-year-old who went to church skipping with a balloon in his hand. And later when she meets him at the church door, she realizes right away something is wrong. What's the matter? He wouldn't say. I bet they loved your balloon, she said. And out it came through trembly lips. Balloons don't belong in church. Why aren't balloons allowed in church? I thought God would like balloons. I celebrate balloons. I celebrate children who laugh out loud, who walk in the mud, who put chocolate fingers anywhere, who like to be tickled, who scribble in church, who whisper in loud voices, who sing in even louder voices. 
who ask questions, who give us sticky, paste-covered creations, who don't use their napkins, who want to do it themselves, who hug us in a hurry and rush outside, who grow up way too fast. I celebrate children who are so busy living that they don't have time for our adult hang-ups, and I celebrate adults who are as little children, God's children. I celebrate that we are called children of God. I celebrate the church gathered together. I celebrate the times when we let God get through to our hiding places, through our maze of meetings, our pleasant facade, deep down to where we really are, afraid, lonely, seeking joy. I celebrate the times the church is the church that God designed when we are Christians, when we give ourselves away because that is what Jesus would want us to do. I celebrate love, God's perfect love, the cross, the Christ. Where did we get the idea that balloons don't belong in church? Where did we get the idea that God loves gray and shh, be quiet, you're in church? For God so loved the world that Christ hung on the cross. The scriptures say there's a time to laugh and a time to weep, a time to mourn and a time to dance. It's not hard to see the reasons for crying in God's world where war is rampant in so many places, including many homes. But I also believe, friends, it's not hard to see the reasons for laughter and dancing in a world where God's love and delight and joy fill us to overflowing. So today, let's be joyful. Let's celebrate life because God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Because God loved the world. Hear it again, because God loves us, you and me. Surely that's a cause for joy. Great joy. Surely we should celebrate such good news that God should love us that much. Where did we get the idea balloons don't belong in church? Friends, the joy of the Lord is ours. Rejoice and be glad. Amen.